Welcome to Woodland War Machine, a podcast for Root. Root is a board game of Woodland Might and Right by Leader Games. For those of you that don't know, my name is Jake Michaels. I am your host for this show, along with two other amazing co-hosts, Sam DeRost. Hey, Jake. And Kyle Atchison. Hello, everybody. What's up? Welcome to, I guess, what is the prologue, which Sam actually called the foreword to our podcast, right? That's right, yeah. This should give you everything you need to know about what this podcast is going to cover and kind of our general attitude towards our favorite board game, Root. Yeah, exactly. So let's just get into it and describe what exactly Root is. So for those of you that don't know uh, Root as a board game, for those of you that don't know board games, or for those of you who might be familiar with the title but don't know all the intricacies, we're going to lay out what this really insane and yet adorable game of Woodland Warfare is all about. So Kyle, how would you best describe Root? Yeah, Root, it's it's a very simple concept, and uh, then everything else is very complicated. But Root, basically, <laughs> at its essence, it's a competitive, asymmetric war game for one to six players, uh, published by Leader Games in 2018, a multi-award winning board game that sort of was the bell of the ball for board games a couple <laughs> years ago. What, what awards did it win? So, oh, so many. So many. <laughs> I'll edit out your long pause as you look it up. Definitely yeah, gonna... for art. Won something for art. <laughs> yeah, the art is quite adorable. Well, it's ranked 28 on BGG. I mean, that alone is pretty freaking good. Yeah, I think it should be higher. Every time I look at that list, I'm like, I, I see 27 games that I'm like, that's not as good as Root. <laughs> There's a couple games that I think are in the same, you know, category of, of mm-hmm. unbelievable game. But yeah. I wouldn't be doing a podcast if I didn't think that Root was the greatest game of all time. Yeah, but Kyle, have you found a single award? Yes, I found multiple awards. So it won Game of the Year at the Diamond Climber Awards, at the Board Game Quest Awards, and it won a Golden Geek Award for Game of the Year. It was also uh, apparently dominated the winners at the 2019 Origins Awards. (laughs) (laughs) It dominated the Origin (laughs) Awards. Root. An asymmetric awards show for no. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, here that leads me into my next question: asymmetrical war game. What does that mean? Well, it's yeah. definitely the buzzword when people talk about root. <laughs> you're going to hear the word asymmetric ten thousand times. <laughs> That's just the case because this might be one of the most asymmetric games uh, ever, and I and I'm and I mean that the whole game is based on everyone's factions being so different and uh, scoring points in different ways. Right. So, like, we're in a game of Risk, for instance, which a lot of uh, maybe people who are familiar are not familiar with board games would be more familiar with. You uh, have your armies, and you all follow the same basic rules of rolling dice to combat those armies and moving uh, around different country spaces on the world map. In Root, every single faction has a different set of individual rules that they play by. Though there are global rules that affect the map and some interactions, for the most part, each each uh, team that you might play could play a completely different version of... Actually, they do play a completely different version of the game. It's one of the best aspects of the game. It's, it's so charming uh, how each faction plays so differently. Like, if you know, depending on your own personal play style and preferences, you might be drawn to one faction or another. Uh, and so there's there's eight different kind of factions that you would control to take on your opponents in a race to 30 victory points. 
So the goal is 30 victory points, right? And the way you get that is different depending on what faction you play. Now, what other, before we delve into the factions, like what are the, what are the other core mechanics of the game? There's these, uh, let's talk about what the board looks like, right? Yeah, so the the board is it's it's a kind of a top down view of a forest or kind of like an, another natural area for the factions to struggle over, uh, <laughs> and on each map there's like these clearings that the meeples all kind of congregate in, and uh, you know as the game goes along there's a lot of struggling over who rules each clearing. And by struggling you mean murder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like adorable. Yeah, yeah it's a war game. War fighting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It might be yeah. mice and cats, and they are drawn adorably. But yeah, there is a lot of murder <laughs> and sabotage going on. Ruthless. And mice can kill cats, and vice versa. Like it's not always a lopsided battle. So it's based strategically on positioning, right? Or like whatever rules you can apply in the the match. Yes, and and battling is one of those mechanics that is universal. That uh, you know, every faction ha- battles in in the same kind of way. And there's a few things that kind of nudge it here and there. Uh, but yeah, and the other thing with the maps that's kind of fun too is there's these like forested areas in between all the clearings, and uh, one of the factions in particular can like slip into the forest where no other faction can get to them. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's summarize where we're at so far. We have a woodland, a board of 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 the woods, a forest environment, and we have a number of different factions. It's uh, is it two to six players? Uh, you can play solo. If you have the Clockwork expansion or uh, the uh, Riverfolk expansion, you can play against a cat bot if you really want to. And by a bot, we mean like an automated version that follows its own rules that people play like a solitaire version where they move for their opponent based on a randomized set of cards or something? Uh, yeah, I think you draw a card from the deck and it kind of programs the uh, kind of AI cat's action, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, for two to six players in terms of when you have other people to play with, uh, they're gonna take a they're gonna take a different faction and they're gonna put their their pieces on the board depending on their setup and then it's the first person to thirty victory points wins the game. But each faction gets those victory points differently. Oh yeah. Okay. So let's talk about all these crazy factions then. Well, in the most basic way. Uh, I can talk about them because, again, you guys, we're going to do faction guides, okay? We're going to get into all of these things so deeply. This is the Root Podcast. Welcome. (laughs) But right now, just to catch you guys up here, Marquise de Cat, the cats, okay? They build things. They actually start with a piece in almost every clearing on the board, and they're kind of like in charge at the beginning of the game, all right? Uh, and they <laughs> score by uh, using their wood to like build up infrastructure, essentially. So the cats are like the empire builders, right? They construct different buildings and kind of create an engine of industry in terms of like they have like sawmills, right? And also uh, recruiting stations or something, right? Yep. Recruiters, sawmills, and workshops. They build those things around the woodland and then they get points for each one they build, right? That's correct. Okay, awesome. And they're, they start out all over the board because they kind of rule the forest at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Thematically, though, it, kind of interesting, they are foreign invaders of this land. They come from, and I actually asked the designers of Root fairly recently, where do the cats come from? And they told me an urban environment. So what? maybe a future, like, city map? I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I was going to say they've learned how to create an urban environment because they're building buildings all over the place. So it makes sense. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're all from London. No one's playing the marquee with that key London accent they should have. <laughs> <laughs> they're fancy cats. So that's the marquee. You were, And then what's next? The eerie dynasties. The birds. 
Uh, these are the former rulers of this woodland, but they have been pushed back by the cats all the way to one corner clearing where they have some forces remaining and just one of their roosts. They score points by having roosts on the board, where the cats get points every time they build them. The birds get points at the end of their turn based on how many they've built. Kind of a small distinction, but yeah. Roosts are their main building and That's only correct. building, right? Yep. And so, like you said, they get points for having established more and more of them throughout the game. Also, uh, the main mechanic going on with the birds when you're playing them, it's fun. It's a, it's like a programming game where you are uh, putting suited cards from your hand into certain actions, and you must complete those actions every turn. Otherwise, you go into what's called turmoil, where your bird leader is deposed and your whole government collapses and you might lose some victory points. And then <laughs> next turn, you got to start your government all over again. It sounds really crazy because it is. Uh, <laughs> it, the birds were the first faction I played when I first played this game. And like you have to get your, is it decree? Is that what it's called? That's what it's called, yeah. Yeah, the order of your operations correct. And if you fail, your whole government falls apart and you have to elect a new leader. And like it sounds really complicated, but the, the mechanics of it aren't. But the strategy to employ is so difficult to foresee that it's really a fun little miniature puzzle. Absolutely. It's fun. Kyle, how about you tell us about the toasts? The, so the toasts are uh, the third <laughs> of the f kind of base factions that the game started with. Uh, they're called toasts because the, the little like meeples that come with this faction, the Woodland Alliance, they look like <laughs> little green toasts. Uh, and the I Woodland didn't Alliance, know why you called them that. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So the, they're really cute. Uh, so the Woodland Alliance basically represents the sort of, uh, you know, like, labor movement of the forest sort of <laughs> yeah. uh, reacting to the you know the industrialists or the cats and then there's this like autocratic bird empire wannabes and you know mm -hmm. so it kind of like in the cracks in between these two forces we have like all the kind of common woodland creatures who are kind of reacting and organizing to uh, uh, put up some resistance so the woodland alliance you start with nothing on the board which is like kind of a, a crazy uh, thing to, to see when you start to play a board game and you know there's pieces everywhere but none of yours are on the board yet and uh, so the Woodland Alliance they revolt in a clearing after you place down little sympathy markers so the idea is I guess you you turn a whole clearing like hostile to the powers that be and a revolution erupts and then there's suddenly a Woodland Alliance base that everyone has to contend with now. So they are like the rebellion, right? They are the, the workers and the common folk that are so pissed off with all of the people making war in the clearing. So like enough of this, we're taking over. So yes. you generate sympathy, which is everybody siding with these rebels, right? And that's how you score points. Yeah. That's really cool. And then you overthrow you overthrow a clearing and take out all the enemy units there and make a, you establish a base there. That's what's so interesting about them is they don't have any presence in the beginning of the game whatsoever because they don't exist yet. You have to create your own faction, kind of. Yep, you got to build it from the ground up. You got to organize. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a grassroots movement. Yeah, it's kind of great. I, it's one of the mechanics in the game that I, I find so fun. Uh, you know, Root being a little bit of like a parable about uh, mm -hmm. factional struggle and sort of world politics and stuff like that. Yeah. You recently just played this faction in a tournament, didn't you? I did, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk about uh, kind of like how to get good with each faction, but Woodland Alliance is definitely one uh, one faction that I've, I've put a lot of time and thought into. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, they're one of my favorites. They're so fun. They're so mm -hmm. fun to play. Very devious. 
Cool, cool. Uh, moving on to the Vagabond? The Asterix of Root. Every <laughs> rule in Root has an asterisk by it, and it's like, well, the Vagabond may interact with this rule kind of differently. <laughs> because, you guys, in this game of woodland war and factions, and people are moving armies across the board, the Vagabond is one guy. He's just like a raccoon, or maybe a possum <laughs> or something. And he can go into the areas of the board no one else can. He can slip through clearings regardless of who rules there. Uh, the Vagabond can spend his turn going on quests, fending off bears, or giving speeches. The Vagabond <laughs> can aid other factions or go hostile with them. They have a whole relationship tracker where they are kind of trying to play the factions off of each other. And as a result, it, it is the faction that um, probably everyone else is the most mad at during the game. <laughs> uh, what's interesting about the Vagabond is uh, the Vagabond character has a bunch of uh, items because they are a raccoon or a possum. They are a hoarder. And these items are like simple things like a tea kettle or like boots or a sword or whatever. And then they expend those items like almost as movement currency, also like action currency, right? So they have their own little economy of uh, junk, essentially, <laughs> that they use to take all of their actions. And then how do they gain points? By crafting things and creating them and then also making potential alliances with the factions on the board yeah there's several ways the vagabond can go about getting points they get points by improving their relationship with other factions by aiding them and uh for most of the factions they craft these items just for the points right uh, a t gets you two points and so you just have it on your board and it doesn't do anything until the vagabond comes over to your clearing and gives you a card for it. So it's kind of this <laughs> mutually beneficial thing. But yeah, so the vagabond can get points through aiding or by doing quests or, you know, like most factions by crafting or battling. Great. Now, those four factions we just mentioned, the Marquis de Cat, the Erie Dynasties, the Woodland Alliance and the is it the Erie Dynasties or Erie Dynasty? Dynasties. Dynasties, yeah, great. Because it's a bunch of families, right? Right. And the Vagabond. Those are all four of the core factions from the main base game of Root, which was originally released in, did we say, 2018? That's mm -hmm. correct. That would be the what those would be the factions you would find if you were to have the base game. But since then there have been two different expansions. The first expansion, the Riverfolk expansion, introduced two new factions. The first of which is obviously the Riverfolk Company? Is that what they're called? Yep. Yep. And they are indeed uh, a company of uh, sort of amoral war profiteering <laughs> otters, essentially. I never saw them this way. Amoral. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, they basically want to uh, stir up some conflict so that it forces everyone else at the table to purchase their wares. You know, they have a, a hand of cards that's sort of for sale. Uh, and they offer their own meeples as like mercenaries. So ah, they're the war profiteers. Exactly. Yeah. So they, they benefit from a lot of conflict going on in the in the woodland. And uh, anytime you're going to play the Riverfolk Company, you have to have a, a kind of a talking game where you're interacting with everyone else at the table and sort of doing the social part of playing a game of Root, which is really fun. It sort of emphasizes that. That part because of the game. so because so much of your mechanics involve interacting with and selling to other players at the table, right? Yes, that exchange is sort of the lifeblood of the Riverfolk Company. Now, this isn't too unsimilar from somewhat the of what the Vagabond does, right? Because the Vagabond also kind of needs to make deals with people at the table, but it sounds like these people are a little bit more people. These creatures are a little bit more salesy, right? 
Absolutely. And then on top of that, they have uh, they have access to the rivers that run through each of the maps. Uh, so that, that's one of the fun parts about playing it is it, it sort of unlocks this whole new set of movement possibilities. So uh, yeah, you can play a, a familiar old map in a totally new way. For the right okay. price. For the right <laughs> price, exactly. And interestingly, they, they set their prices, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not a fixed economy. So depending on like what is in demand at the table, they can alter their prices and even negotiate to alter them further with other players. So there's a huge meta dynamic in there. Absolutely. They're probably the meta faction, I would think. <laughs> and to be clear, what we mean by meta, just in case people don't know. Uh, I kind of mean like above the board, you know, uh, almost instead of just focusing on playing the game, we're almost playing each other playing the game is kind of what mm. I mean by metagaming. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that there are sometimes multiple games happening in a game, which is like the game uh, according to the rules and then also the game according to the interpersonal dynamic of the table. And I don't just mean who's your friend and who's your enemy. I mean, in the context of the game and what's going on, everybody's your enemy, (laughs) but at what level and for what reason, right? Yeah. Uh, There are several times during a game of Root when you you have aligned interests with someone else at the table, even though you're, you know, in the largest sense, all opponents. There's sometimes when you have to team up with somebody to stop the person who's in the lead or going to win. And uh, it's those moments in the game where the river folk steps in and says, yeah. hey, we should work together. And uh, it, yeah, it helps to create like a really nice dynamic in a game. I That's think. the moment when the otter pops his head out of the barrel of water they thought was empty and says, well, I can help with that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on uh, to the next faction in the river folk, which uh, in the river folk expansion, which is the lizard cult. Yes, my personal favorite faction. I love the lizard cult. The lizard cult uh, is a cult that has taken over <laughs> parts of the woodland. Um, and what they can do is uh, uh, every time you kill a lizard meeple, it actually goes to a special spot on their board called the Acolytes Box. And they can spend those Acolytes to convert your meeples to lizard meeples. Uh, so they can kind of spread their influence of the cult around. They can also do that to buildings, which really shakes up the game. Wait, so they can... They can convert enemies to their religion, therefore yes. their faction. And they can also yeah. convert buildings to their side too? Yes. Yeah, they can make a, for instance, an eerie roost can then become a lizard garden. Their buildings oh, are gardens. No. And the special rule with gardens, which is the real fun part, is every clearing with a garden is immediately ruled by the lizard cult, no matter how many meeples of other players are there. So that can really mess up people moving around or people thought that they could rule a clearing, but if there's a garden there, you can't. The garden takes precedence. Interesting. Okay. I think the lizard cult has uh, is kind of famously a little underpowered. Um, they're kind of the, the last one you got to crack uh, in the game, I think. Um, and uh, another uh, interesting mechanic they have is is called the Lost Souls. Instead of when players discard cards to the discard pile, they instead go to the Lizard's Lost Souls pile. <laughs> and um, depending on how many of a suit there are, uh, that will impact where the Lizard folk can do their special actions. Now, I was going to say, is it fair to call them a Lizard cult? Are they just like a Lizard religious community? But they do recruit dead people with lost souls so i'm gonna say cult yeah it is yeah it it 
it's not good. There thematically, yeah. there's a dragon god involved, and whenever there's a dragon god, you just got to go. The yeah, other way, there haven't know? been a lot of benevolent dragon gods lately. Right? <laughs> That's a good point, Sam. Um, okay, so that is the Riverfolk expansion. Is there anything else we're missing in that expansion before we move on to the next one? I'd mentioned the cat bot. And there's a couple extra Vagabond classes, but uh, other than that, I think you got it. To be to be clear, the cat bot is that AI option for solitaire play, right? Where you can play 1v none, where you actually play against <laughs> the auto-program of the, of the Marquis de Cat version, right? Of a, yes. of a solitaire opponent. Then we moved on to the Underworld expansion, where two additional factions were introduced. That is the Underground Duchy? Is that what they're called? <laughs> you guys yep. are nodding. Very proud that I got that name right. Yep. And the Corvid Conspiracy. Let's do the Underground Duchy first. Yeah. So the Underground Duchy is kind of an interesting one. So they're they're mole people. Uh, they live in tunnels underground. Another cult? Not another cult, but <laughs> oh, just okay. they're literal moles. And uh, they sort of like dig tunnels and pop up everywhere on the map. Uh, but their whole thing is that they uh, they are trying to sway these like government bureaucrats to their side to help sort of unlock additional actions which is sort of like I'm, I keep trying to figure out what this is in a like historical context kind of way but <laughs> the closest I can think of is that they, they're like applying for grants or something from the central government and then yeah. the government will like ship out you know uh, a brigadier who helps them move in battle a bunch. <laughs> it feels like but an bas- overly organized bureaucracy, right? Like so- exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so yeah, you just kind of slowly build up your uh, action economy in the first couple of turns, and then uh, hope to kind of steamroll the rest of the factions with your mole people. C- classically, this is one of the uh, the factions where y- your turn is going to be super long, yeah. yeah. Just because it's it's so many steps to kind of keep in your head at once. Uh, so yeah, every time I play the moles, it's like I'm in for a long game because. <laughs> so I've never played them before, and I've actually I, I don't even understand much of their mechanics. I've seen them be played across from me, but I was so focused on what lunacy I was going through at the time, I didn't understand. What I, my question is, what makes them different from the cats who are also kind of empire builders slash management of their own little resources? They're actually remarkably similar, I would say. Uh, moles have buildings that they can build to, you know, citadels and markets and things like that. The thing that makes them different is the action economy, I'd say. So, like, the cats, you get three actions every turn. Uh, you can get a fourth with a bird card. Same kind of type of turn every every time it comes back around to you. Whereas the moles, your turn just gets longer and longer and longer the more ministers <laughs> you persuade. So it can it can reach a point where you are you're taking like half a dozen actions in a row uh and really, really impacting the board state in a major way every turn. Cool. Yeah. I think uh, another big difference is the way they score points because uh, they both have buildings, but cats get points every time they score build. Uh, uh, every time they build buildings, they score points. Whereas uh, the moles, they just get those buildings for extra card draw or extra recruits. And I actually think that the moles have like less points on their player board uh, that they would naturally get, and instead have to use their action economy to go affect the board. To find those points. It's almost like an extra step in the mechanism a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do they score points? In uh, Basically by swaying ministers is the <laughs> kind of faction-specific way of scoring points. Uh, there's three tiers of ministers, and each one is worth a, an increasing amount of points. 
by swaying a minister, you gain another action for your economy and <laughs> and some points. You sway them by making them happy based on their like a uh, pr- printed objective kind of thing. Uh, based on your presence on the board, mm, that's okay. that's kind of it. So. Okay. Cool. It's an incredibly deep faction, and I'm very <laughs> excited to get to our, our faction guides so that I can like practice them a bit more. I think I'm most interested in them for that reason. So, yeah, excited. And then, finally, the Corvid Conspiracy. Last and certainly least, the Corvid Conspiracy. <laughs> uh, I love the, the, the Crows. They are the, uh, the purple faction. Uh, they are about bluffing. What they do is they put down what are called plot tokens face down on the board. All right. Other players can gamble a card, a matching card of that clearing to guess which one of their four different plot tokens it is to try to remove it. Or they could battle it away. But the plot tokens actually do extra hits when they're when they're mysterious, when they're face down. Uh, So the four different plots are there could be a snare that prevents uh, factions from moving. There could be an extortion, which actually gets cards out of people's hands. There could be a, a raid, which uh, allows the crows to put extra meeples on the board. Or it could be a bomb, <laughs> and it just <laughs> blows up everything in the clearing. Um, so they are very fun. Just a fun. bird bomb all of a sudden? <laughs> oh, it's a bird bomb, yeah. It's, they, it's I would... so thematic up to the point that it's like, we have a bomb. <laughs> well, every time someone puts down one of those face-down plot tokens, you're like, it's probably this, it could be this, and this. or it could be a bomb, <laughs> right? Like, you have to consider that everything in that clearing could explode next turn if if you don't guess properly or, or move. <laughs> so they, they engineer conspiracies all throughout the woodland, which result in these tokens, and the tokens can be one of four things, and people can guess what they are to try and get them off the board or they have to fight to get them off the board. But if they get revealed, they take an action and potentially gain the Corvid points, right? Yeah, yeah. They get uh, uh, they get uh, points uh, every time they flip for how many plot tokens they have on the board. And you call them the birds, but there's also the Eerie Dynasty, which are also birds. Now, this is a conspiracy. Is this a conspiracy of ravens? Yes, you got it, Jake. Okay, they are okay. Techni- yeah, technically, they are Corvids. Kyle, you're a bird expert, real-life bird expert. Kyle, well, what is Adjusen. a Corvid? I don't know. What's what the difference is. between a Corvid and a crow? Uh, crows and ravens are both examples of Corvids. Uh, corvid is just a type of uh, uh, kind of like shape of bird physiology, essentially. Ah. So there's like a like section a, of... A what about a okay. grackle? Um... I th- I'm not actually sure if they belong to Corvidae or not. Let me look. <laughs> yeah, so let's Kyle's pause the just stepped away, but really what I expect to do is like, let me show you, puts his arm up and two different birds <laughs> land on his arm. <laughs> Kyle got up Kyle, to go, let Kyle's me show you. Kyle's looking it up in an actual book right now. You know, you could Google it, Kyle. He's got a book. Yeah, I think this is faster. I have a Maybe personal real. bird library too, Sam. No, because grackle, common grackle is uh, Quiscula. Quis- Quisculus Quiscula. I always get those mixed up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah. What so book the- are you reading right now? <laughs> it's called Words for Birds, a lexicon of North American of birds with biographical exactly notes. what you need for this conversation, which is Words for Birds. <laughs> which is what we just ask you, certain bird-based words. You're like, well, let me get this in- appropriate book out. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> glad oh to, my glad you're on the pod, Kyle. Um yeah, so the di- <laughs> the main thing here is that the Corvids thematically did, I think, break apart from the Eerie Dynasty. It is the kind of the uh, shady side of the other faction. The but brother-in-law. Actually, 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But I think thematically they actually or uh mechanically they actually act a little bit more like the Woodland Alliance because it's like sympathy tokens could result in a revolt that blows everything up or these plot tokens could result in a bomb that blows things up. So when they're in the game it kind of feels uh somewhat similar. Okay. So, that is the eight major factions of Root. Now, we should explain a couple quick things. Uh, for those of you that are still feeling super lost because you have no idea what we're talking about and you are unfamiliar with board games, there are plenty of ways to research this game online and check out how to play videos. And um, the rules itself are free on Leader Games' website. We'll have descriptions for all of those awesome options in the description of this podcast. We are trying to make a podcast which is to help all level of Root enthusiasts, whether you're brand new to the game, whether you're very familiar with it, or whether you're like a tournament-level professional, like you get a paycheck every year for playing Root, you should at least find this podcast fairly entertaining. So I want to know, why are we qualified to even talk about this? And I'll start with myself saying, I'm not. In fact, I'm just a, an enthusiast. I really enjoy Root a lot, and I've played it. I think maybe like a dozen times or so. And it, I love board games. I make board game content for Good Time Society. I also made, uh, with Geek and Sundry, a how to play Root video. But I'm going to be taking the ignorant post for this podcast because I know very little compared to these two gentlemen. And I hope to be the audience's ambassador and ask the questions that we less common woodland folk would uh, want to know about. I, I feel like uh, Kyle and I have been very enthusiastic about this game for uh, a number of years. Um, I, and as a result, we've gotten into the like more competitive uh, online scene, especially here in quarantine. We've kind of been able to uh, push our route online. Um, so online, my name is Murder She Root. Um, but in real life, I am a professional board game instructor there and uh, play tester. Uh, I work uh, at Brooklyn Game Lab, uh, where they, you know, kind of play test all this stuff. Some fan factions have come out of there, um, <laughs> and uh, I, I also won the first uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles uh, test tournament. I am the test champion. Ooh! Um, now, for those of you that don't know what those four words mean together, Space Cats Peace Turtles is the unofficial home of Twilight Imperium, another insanely fun strategic board game. And they are an awesome podcast that covers that game almost exclusively up until about two years ago when they also started covering Root uh, occasionally. They started a tournament that Sam, as Murder She Root, won. Um, yeah, it's a great podcast. They do a lot of great Root content. If you guys are uh, looking uh, for faction guides and are impatient that we don't have ours out, you should definitely check out the space cats peace turtles one um they are uh, a great podcast and a great resource and their their competitions are are un unrivaled i will put a link um, to their content in the description of this as well yeah uh also we have the expert teaching everybody how to play the woodland alliance on this podcast kyle atchison waterman 121 introduce yourself <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's, uh, my online handle is waterman121. Reveal uh, yourself, waterman! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, uh, so I, I do, I have a whole uh, YouTube channel devoted to root content. Uh, there's a lot of, like, puzzles, uh, to help you get acquainted with, uh, the Woodland Alliance, and now, uh, more and more Marquise de Cat stuff coming out. Um, now, to be clear, you make puzzles on, in video format where you will set up scenarios within Root gameplay that the viewers are then encouraged to solve with uh, presumably their actions if it were their turn, right? Yes, exactly. That's yeah, so, so cool. it's 
trying to like you know engage everyone's brains and they uh you know and whenever you're feeling that root itch and you want to just take a look at a board state and figure it out my channel is definitely the place to go this is just a ton of videos (laughs) this is awesome and it's an old school thing that you know newspapers actually used to do this with like chess boards and i think they still do it in some places uh so it's nice to see that's being done in the 21st century in a, a new way yeah, and it's, you know, Root is a four-player game, so there's a lot going on. Uh, but I actually just think that that increases the level of difficulty and uh, the reward of solving the puzzles, which is great. Uh, and so aside from uh, making videos on YouTube, uh, I've played in uh, all the major Root tournaments from the past six months, including that same Space Cats Peace Turtles tournament. Uh, I was a finalist in the uh, winter tournament, um, kind of amongst the more competitive community of well, Root. What, what is the let, let's let's name that community and give them a shout out as well because like so w- who's organizing these tournaments specifically that one originated in the Woodland Warriors Discord server great uh, organized by a player and fan named Garrick uh, among others we'll put a link um, to the description or we'll put a link to that in the description as well is a thriving community. Uh, Woodland Warriors Discord is actually now hosted by Leader Games, uh, oh. who made it their official Discord home for Root. Awesome. And uh, yeah, it is chock full of great players, really fun tournaments. If you're looking for a game, you can almost always find one there. And uh, just resources, you know, there's card lists and charts and, uh, you know, a lot of information that we're definitely going to be referencing in our podcast to uh, help you learn and get better at the game of Root. A lot of that is uh, stuff that just ardent fans made on the Woodland Warriors Discord. It's a great place. Yeah, while we're talking about it, I feel like that is the the number one resource. If you guys have a rules question, if you guys have a strategy question, there are so many nice, helpful people on that Discord that will help you out. And I I feel like that is the way uh, we uh, uh you know went to a next level of understanding of the game was was through talking to people on there. So if you guys are uh, itching to get good in a hurry, uh, Woodland Warriors Discord is the main spot. Awesome. Okay, so we've discussed what Root is. We've discussed who we are. So now let's outline just in a few minutes here what we're going to do with this awesome podcast we started, Woodland War Machine. Well, one thing that we're definitely going to do is we're going to take your knowledge of the game of Root and just kind of take it to the next level, kind of <laughs> elevate your uh, your knowledge and engagement with the game by exploring different mechanics, different factions, and uh a lot of the new kind of like leading edge of how Root is being played. Yeah, I think we're going to definitely do some kind of like beginner uh, content as well as some uh, intermediate content. Uh, we're going to do uh, resources on how to teach the game. Uh, there's uh, and, you know, going over components. And honestly, we are just excited to have this uh, kind of conversation with you guys, too. Uh, listeners, if there is anything about Root the Game that you want covered on this podcast, please reach out to us. We want to create as open of a dialogue as possible in terms of what you guys want, and we want to deliver that. Awesome. So we've talked about all of these awesome aspects of the game, but I think what we really want to hit home by making a podcast about this is it's not just a game where you're moving soldiers around a forested board because of the asymmetric nature of the game and the meta game that happens when different people play different factions this game has a lot of different outcomes very often and i'd say it's one of the most unpredictable games because huge swings can happen every turn especially in the end game right 
Very much so. It's it's often uh, I, I, on my YouTube channel. I talk about like different openings for factions, different <laughs> sort of like initial plays, like ways to kind of get your engine started. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always so difficult to get past like turn one because just a- anything can happen. Like the board state can change drastically depending on the faction mix and a lot of things. So yeah, it's a super. Uh, it's it's challenging in that way. You know, you can never really predict what's going to happen. Awesome. I think there's a lot about Root that is difficult for a beginner. It is not a play it once and you get it kind of game. It is a game that takes multiple plays, and I think that that can be kind of frustrating to somebody who just wants a satisfying game experience. Um, as a result, we've made a podcast. This is the whole point. <laughs> is to uh, try to, that steep learning curve, just make it a little easier for people uh, by not having them, you know, have to try out a strategy that's going to result in them having a bad time or something. We can recommend, uh, like Kyle said, openings. We can recommend strategies and and, and tips. Um, It's just a hard game with a lot going on and an impossible amount of stuff to remember in all of the interactions. So, the, the more facility we get with these terms and, and talking about it, and the more you hear it, the faster you're going to get good and have, have more fun. Yeah, well, I should say the difficulty of it still is very fun. You use a lot of words there like really hard or impossible to remember. And while that is true, it's not like it's not fun to uh, have to go through that because it's a giant puzzle that you have to solve a different way every game. Absolutely. And convince other people to help you put some of those places pieces in place. That's the hardest part. Yeah, I would say this is also the game that most like that I've ever experienced that most revolves around like everybody being at each other's throat for 90% of the game. And then the last 10% ever being like, we need to work together to not let that person win for just one more turn so I can win. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think it sounds like a good game, Jake, because sometimes (laughs) if everyone's a little too head down, you realize what factions will win the race uh, to 30 victory points faster than others. But uh, some of the other factions have uh, better tools at slowing other factions down. So just finding that ratio and knowing when it's your moment. uh, These are things that you're going to have to get out over over time, multiple plays and Lots of listening to this podcast. Let me tell you what. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both for joining me for our introduction to the introduction of this podcast. What we're going to cover next week, or I guess maybe right when this is released, is episode one, which is getting good at Root. So we're going to do basic tips and tricks, and honestly, maybe not so basic when we get down to it, right? Because once you guys get the intricacy of this game, uh, you'll see how a lot of these things start to interact. Uh, I will say, if you want to listen to that episode, you should definitely first go get a rules brush up. There are several resources we'll put in the description of this podcast for you to go get an idea of how the game is played. Check out Root uh, Gameplay on Twitch. There's also a digital version on Steam. I won't go down the rabbit hole of what the digital version is, but it's just the base game currently, whereas a of the stuff that we're going to be talking on this podcast involves the expansions and a number of, um, I guess, slight rules changes, I should say, that um, have updated the base game a little bit. And I think that's it for our introduction. Sam, I know there's a number of people we need to thank for getting this whole party started because we are building our knowledge base off of an already existing knowledge base of both fans and game creators and content makers out there. Yeah, absolutely. 
We got a lot of people to thank. We did not get here by ourselves. We want to thank Leader Games. We want to thank the Woodland Warriors Discord. We want to thank Space Cats Peace Turtles. Also, the Kindred Spirit Podcast, the Brooklyn Game Lab. Uh, specifically, uh, people, I'm talking Garrick, Tristan, Saria, Marcus the Cat, Nebuchadnezzar, Mick Chu, Ulexis, and of course, Good Time Society. Thank you, guys. And these are all your cats? Yes, yes. I have 12 <laughs> cats. Most of them are named after my favorite people on Discord. There it is. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, to be clear, these people didn't necessarily know they were helping us, but they were because they have been awesome pillars of the community for building root into what it is. So we hope to take it from there. Kyle Atchison, Sam DeRose, thank you so much for joining me for the first introduction to the introduction of Woodland War Machine. <laughs> I'll, see, yeah. I'll see you guys in episode one. All right. See you around the woodland. See you around the woodland. See you around the woodland. Woodland.